Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. It's Psalm 100. Listen to the words of the psalmist as they share with us what the nature is to be in our lives as we remember what God has done for us. Oh, can you get the mic turned on? It's on. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Is it he that hath made us, and not we ourselves? We are his people, and the sheep of his passion. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. The message of thanksgiving is in that passage. God is about providing for the needs that are ours. God is about sharing with us the protection that comes from him. God is a faithful God that loves us and cares for the needs that we have. Those are the reasons that we recognize what Thanksgiving is all about. While it may be about meals with families, while it may be about turkey and dressing and all the other things that come with that, the message of Thanksgiving is a recognition of what it means for us to recognize what God has done for us. We're going to talk about that issue of separation in just a moment. Uh, I think the, the message that we see in that gospel passage that Jesus shares with us about the nature that is to be ours is one that we need to recognize every day of our lives, what it means for us to do and be. Thanksgiving is a time that our world, that is the Western Hemisphere, has celebrated for over 500 years. Did you know it's been going on that long? In May 23rd, 1541, uh, Spanish explorer Francisco Vasquez uh, Coronada uh, and his men were in the panhandle of Texas near Paladura County uh, in the valley there. And in that valley they found food and they found water, which they had not had as they had come across the borders from New Mexico. Uh, another Thanksgiving occurred on June 30th, uh, 1564, when a bunch of French Huguenots were in a place that now today is called Jacksonville, Florida. And they thanked God for what he had done for them. On August 9th, 1607, English settlers, settlers joined together with the Indians uh, in Maine's Kennebec River, or beside it, uh, and they knelt and thanked God for the blessings that he shared with them. Two years before the pilgrims showed up on December 4th, 1619, a group of 18 uh, settlers, or excuse me, 38 settlers arrived at Berkeley Plantation in Virginia. They were there before the pilgrims arrived. Remember that. That's important if you're from the southeast of the United States. And the group's charter said this, We ordain that the day of our ship's arrival at the place assigned to that plantation in the land of Virginia shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving. A recognition of what God had done for them that they would remember always. 
One more thing. Between sometime between September 21st and November 11th, in 1621, William Bradford had men go out fouling. If you don't know what that is, that's shooting stuff, all right? And they shot geese and they shot ducks and they shot all kinds of other animals and they had a feast. And Nick's going to put up, or we're going to put up a, a picture here of what they had. Do you see that, guys? You all have that on your screen? There it is right there. Is this what you're having for Thanksgiving? Seethe, boiled lobster, roasted goose, baked turkey, uh, fricassee of coney. That's a duck-like thing. Uh, pudding of Indian cornmeal with dried hortleberries. Uh, do, do they sell those at the grocery store still? Hortleberries. I don't know about that. Uh, Seethe, boiled cod, roast duck, stewed pumpkin, uh, roasted venison, mustard sauce, savory pudding of hominy. All right, that doesn't sound very savory to me, uh, but uh, anyhow, and fruit, of holland, fruit and holland cheese. That was the recipe. That was the day. You wonder what those people were eating in all those pictures that you've seen. This is it. By the way, the, the Indians brought four deer uh, that day, and they ate those. There's a time in Thanksgiving where we stop and we look around us and we become thankful for what God has given us. That time ought to be every day of our lives. Every morning when we wake up, it should be that opportunity for us to recognize what God has done for us. And we think, God, what have you done for me today? God, what is it? I'm just starting this day. How have you blessed me? And I forget so quickly. When I woke up and through the course of that night, I breathe that whole time. Karen says sometimes I breathe way too loudly. But I breathe during that time. And when I wake up, there's something that happens. I have the ability to get up. I don't get up nearly as quickly as I used to. But I'm able to leave the bed that I've been laying in for close to 10 hours usually. And I'm able to Take that day that God has given me to make something of it. We need to be thankful for every breath that God gives us, for every blessing that God shares with us, with every morsel that we have, for every opportunity that God provides us, for those family members that in many cases are so far away that we don't have opportunity to see them or spend time with them and to be able to spend time with those that we love, to experience what it means to share together as the body of Christ the love that is ours in Him and rejoice and praise God for the blessings that He shares with us, we should always be thankful. But what we need to do is we need to look around and recognize what it means for us to be separated with our families. Karen and I realize this probably more and more every day. With a son in Connecticut, which is a two-hour, two-hour, two-day drive, and a daughter that is a one-full-day drive around nine hours from here in Charlotte, our family's a long way away from us. And some of the rest of you are in this room may be in the same case. It may be that your family is completely gone, and you're here by yourself, and you're wondering, what am I going to do, and how am I going to celebrate, because I don't have anyone here. There is a message that we heard in that passage in Matthew's Gospel that shares to us about what it means to recognize the gifts that God gives us and to see those things that God has shared with us and in seeing to recognize God's presence in our lives.
Because there's a call that he has for us in those first verses of Matthew 25 that call us to recognize what it means for us to be separated. Those people, those people who came from Madrid to this country, that is to this hemisphere, mostly, most of them ended up at that time in the 1500s down in Mexico. That's what Coronado did. He came from Mexico, came up, came around through what is today Arizona, through the desert, and was thankful for the little things that God gave him, like food and water. Our world is full of people today who take those things not for granted, but recognize the need they have and the provisions that God gives them to have those simply because they don't see them every day. We are called to recognize that we are separated. That's the message about the sheep and the goats that Jesus shares with us. That we are separated, and Christ has separated us from the world of which we're a part. Vance Havner is a name you probably remember. Many of you, some of you do at least. He said this, basically, that I'll give you Bob's translation of what Havner said. That we are to be in the world, but not of the world. That's scriptural. That's a message that God shares with us. Jesus shares that message with each one of us to be representatives, to share the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ with a world that does not have that hope. And that's difficult for us to be in the world, but not of the world, to be a part of what this world is and not have it rule our lives, control us. That's the struggle that is there for us. That's the struggle that we have to realize in our lives that we overcome through God's Holy Spirit leading and guiding us through the difficulties of life. That we recognize God's presence with us. That we see in God's hand his guidance and leadership in helping us to understand the message of what it means for us to live our lives for Christ. Jesus Christ calls us to be separated simply. And that's what he does in those verses. Look at Matthew 25, 31 again. When the Son of Man comes to his glory and the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in the heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will, see the word there? Separate the people one from the other as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. You can't be a sheep and a goat at the same time. Now, it's a little confusing when you think about it because a lot of times you see sheep and goat, goats in the same area. That shepherds will have both sheep and goats. You know what? It is kind of hard to distinguish them because they all have four legs, right? They all have, some of them have horns. They all have, they all have wool. They all have... Uh, they all eat grass, they all are there, but there's something that happens to these sheep and goats when the Father calls them. When Jesus calls them before him, he seeks to separate them, to recognize which are his and which are not of him. And the sheep is what we're called to be. That's a difficult thing for me to deal with because I've seen sheep in the Texas uh, hill country, uh, thousands of sheep running like a flock of birds from one point to the next when they hear a horn honk. And to see a sheep caught in a woven wire fence and to think, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll help that poor sheep out of that fence. That sheep just about killed me 
as I tried to get it unhooked from that fence. Not knowing I was trying to release it, but thinking I was about to eat it. In our world today, there's a call for us to recognize that we are called to be sheep. We don't like that idea. We don't like that concept. But God calls us to recognize that he is the shepherd. Does that sound like a familiar psalm to you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he talks to us about what it means for us to be sheep, there's an understanding of what it means to have a shepherd. Someone who guides us, someone who directs us, someone who cares for us, someone who values us. Because there are so many times in my life where I think I am so unvaluable. I'm not worthy. God, why would you love me? Why would you care about me? He does that because he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for my sins. That makes my value. That makes me worth far beyond rubies and, and, and gold and all that stuff that the world would value because God has given that gift that is so precious for me. That is why we are to be separated. That is why those people came. Whether they were looking for El Dorado, whether they were looking for religious freedom, doesn't make any difference why they came. They all came for a reason. And that was because they wanted something better. They wanted something different from where they had been. Here's the kicker. You can't live in Madrid, Spain, and in Evansville, Indiana, at the same time. You can't live in Massachusetts, and you can't live in Liverpool at the same time. There's a point at which you have to say, I'm going to be here. This is home. This is where I'm to be. This is where I am to live. And what Jesus is telling us in our lives is that's the choice that each of us make. Whether Jesus is Lord of our lives or whether we are Lord of our lives. Whether Jesus rules and reigns or we make all the decisions, we make all the choices. Not listening to what God would have us do, but doing what we want to do. It's a difficult decision to make for us, but it's a call that Jesus has for every one of us. And there's a reckoning that comes, and that's the message that he's sharing in Matthew 25, 31. That we recognize what it means to trust God and give our lives to him. And in doing so, that we've entrusted to him the, everything that we are. The third verse of Psalm 100. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. There's a message that we have there. It's the same message that Jesus shares with his disciples in Matthew 25. We can't keep living our lives without knowing where we're going to come down on this seating arrangement that Jesus has. The sheep are on his right. The goats are on his left. And there's a point in time where we need to recognize and know for a fact that I have given my life to Jesus. I have trusted my life to him. And I'm going to follow him as the shepherd. When I drove up in that car on the hill country, those sheep didn't recognize me as anything other than a predator. But when the guy that owns the sheep show up in the pickup truck, you know all he has to do? Monk, 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 monk. 2,000 sheep immediately surround him. Why? 
Because they know the voice of the one who is the shepherd. They know the one who provides for them. They know the one who protects them. And all others, those sheep think, are out after them. It may be you're here this morning, and you're not sure where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not sure what you've done to make yourself right before him. There's a call for each of us to recognize what makes us right before the Father is one thing in one thing alone. And that's not what we've done. That's not where we are. That's not who our parents are. It's all about where our hearts are. That we have separated our hearts and our lives for the Savior that gave his heart for us. And that in doing so, we've given it to him and yielded to him completely. And we say, Lord, here it is. You take it. It's not mine. Our hearts become separated from who we are. Jesus calls us to recognize that we are to follow him. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We are to come follow Jesus, take up our crosses and follow him. There's nothing easy about the relationship. As a matter of fact, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the decision to follow him will be the hardest thing that ever happened in your life. It'll be the most difficult thing that ever happened in your life. Just like those people stepping on the Mayflower. Do you realize how big that boat was? See this wall here? See that wall there? See the distance from the front of the stage to the choir loft? 100 feet long, 25 feet wide, 103 people. You think it was hard for those people to step on that boat? You think it was difficult for them to do that? Why would they ever have done such a foolish thing? The reason was because they knew there was something better waiting for them across the ocean. There's a call that Christ has for us to know that there's something better waiting for us. And I'm not talking about the whole idea of what it means to see him face to face. I'm talking about what it means to have a relationship with him personally. It's what we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. A message of understanding God's presence in our lives. Of knowing Jesus' leadership in our lives. Of trusting him and yielding our lives to his decision. And trusting him to carry us through every one of life's difficulties. That's what those people did in 1620. And you know what they saw when they got to the shores outside of, what is it, Boston? Remember what they saw? Plymouth, Massachusetts? They got there in December. No leaves, no crops, no food. You know what they did? People started dying. One a day, two a day, three a day. Through the course of that winter, 46 of 103 people that were there died. You can do the math real quick and see that's a pretty small group of people. But then none of those people would have gotten on the boat to go back. Once they left that boat, they stayed where they were. 
Christ calls us to do the same thing in him, to trust him with our lives, not to look back, not to worry about where we came from, but to consider about where we are going in him. And Paul says that so clearly, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can deal with the circumstances this life brings because Christ is present in my life. I can deal with the disappointments that happen with me in this life because Christ is guiding me. And it's not like some amulet that we wear, but it's a, it's a presence of knowledge of his presence in our lives that guides us. And so often what we try to do, we try to make things right on our own by the things we do and the things we say when all along what God is calling us to do is just listen to him. Just listen to him and trust him to trust him with everything we have. And Jesus calls us to separate our lives from the world of which we're a part, not to live our lives for ourselves, but to live our lives for the one who gave himself for us. Hebrews 7, 26 says this, Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, Exalted above all the heavens, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for them, excuse me, he sacrificed for their sins once and for all. When he offered himself for the law, appoints to us a high priest that men who are weak, but the oath which came from the law appointed to the Son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus is a, a high priest that sets before us with no failings, no disappointments, no lackings, no sin. And yet this is the one who was the friend of tax collectors. Luke 7:24 tells us. Jesus looks at the end down, he sees us, and he recognizes the needs that are in our lives. And he recognizes the frailties that are ours. And there's a call for each one of us to do that message of what it means and an invitation to him, right? All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my Lord and Savior, I surrender all. That is separation, folks. Christ calls us to live separated lives, but he also calls us to take that next step and that we recognize that thanksgiving is to be about servanthood. That word translated servant most often is used as the Greek word diakonos. It means to kick up the dust, someone who's about doing what the servant is called to do by the master. A servant has specific responsibilities. He takes care of his master's need. Jesus has this. He tells this very clearly. When he <clears throat> uses the illustration of the servant coming home with the master, does the servant get to fix his meal first or does he fix the meal for the master first? He takes care of the master first, not what he wants. When the master's thirsty, he brings him water. When he needs care for his family, he takes care of that. The servant took care of the master's children. He cared for the master when he was ill, and he was always there to do whatever the master called. Look at Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come to me, all you are blessed of the Father. Take your inheritance. 
the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The relationship that we have with Jesus is about trusting our lives to him and doing what he calls us to do. I want you to think, look in your Bibles. If you, I hope you have your Bibles with you. Look in your Bibles and see where Matthew 25 is in relationship to the rest of that gospel. Turn back towards Mark's gospel. How many pages do you have to turn? Just a few. This is the very end of Jesus' ministry. Do you see that? And what does he tell us? He tells each one of us who would listen that we serve him by serving others. That we serve him by taking the lives that God has given us and using them for his purpose. James tried to explain that to the church. And in James 2, <clears throat> 14 through 17, this is what James tells us. What good is it, my brothers, <clears throat> excuse me, please, if a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food comes to you. If one of you says to him, <clears throat> go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by actions, is dead. We are called to live our lives out. That's the message that Jesus shares with those people that have come, with both groups of people that Mike shared with us earlier, those who were the sheep, those who were the goats. We're called to recognize whether we're doing what Christ has called us to do, taking those gifts that God has given to us and sharing them, taking the lives that God has given us and using them for his glory, taking the relationships we have with those we love the most, and sharing with them the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. That's what separates us from the goats. That's what separates us from the world of which we're a part, is that we are servants of the Savior. He is our Master. He is our Lord. And in recognizing that relationship, we've given our lives to Him completely to become his, to listen to what he tells us, to go where he sends us, and to do exactly everything he's told us to do. That is Matthew 28 all the way. That's the last thing that Jesus says. That as we go, as you're going, you teach, you share, you baptize, you be a blessing to people because you are my servants. Being a servant being someone who recognizes what thanksgiving is all about, recognize first that you're called to be separated. Recognize secondly that you're called to be a servant. And finally, recognize there'll be some surprises that come your way. When Karen and I were in college, uh, actually, I guess we were in college, I was the BSU director uh, at uh, Bloomington. This passage came into action in our lives. Look with me at Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, and when we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink, when do we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. This was our, one of our first Thanksgivings together, just the two of us. And so we had about 30 students at the BSU, and Karen agreed to cook a turkey for the first time in her life to feed that group. And so what happened was Karen worked all day long getting that turkey ready for the evening that we would go to the BSU and we'd gather and we'd have a, a Thanksgiving feast together, all those college students. And don't you know they wanted turkey? And so Karen gave me the turkey. She had it wrapped in aluminum foil, as you're supposed to do. I think that's scriptural, right? That wrappeth, wrappeth thou the turkey in aluminum foil in the pan. And I carried it to the Volkswagen we had a Volkswagen Beetle, 1968, let the driver's seat down, set it in the back seat, went back in to get the other stuff that Karen had prepared. When I came back to the car, I noticed something was wrong with the aluminum foil. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I saw the dog with a turkey leg in his mouth <laughs> about 15 yards behind the car. Now, it makes lots of sense, and this, I've been here long enough for y'all to know now, well, that, that sounds like Bob. I started chasing the dog. <laughs> and I, I'm going to take, take that turkey leg from him, and I'm going to get it and bring it back, because it's not his, right? Karen cried all the way to the BSU. And I couldn't get that far from her, all right, because we're in a Volkswagen as we're driving down the road. And when we got there, we were both mortified at what was going to happen because this was the course. This was the meal. This is what we had prepared. But there was a surprise that God had in store for us, and that was there was a girl there that was about the snootiest girl in the BSU. And we couldn't do anything right as far as she was concerned. And she was the one who greeted us and opened the door for us as we carried that pan inside the door. Karen explained to her what happened. I can still see that girl taking that pan out of my hands and taking it back to the kitchen. She set it down. She put the aluminum foil back. She took a knife and she cut off anything where the dog lips might have touched. And then she took that knife and she held it up to my face and said these words, no one else will ever know of this. <laughs> now, if she's listening to this online, I'm in serious trouble, all right? What God did that day all those things that we were worried about, all those things that we were disappointed about, all those things that we thought this is the worst situation became one of the best thanksgivings we ever had. And most of it came because God gave us a view of someone that we had never seen before. God seeks to do that in our lives, each one of us that we can be a blessing to someone because we share the hope that is in our lives through the difficulties that we face, that we take the blessings that God has given us and we use those as a means of telling others about God's love for them. 
That's what it means to recognize that surprise. Because those people that Jesus is speaking of in this story, and remember, this is just a story he's telling, they are thrilled to find out that they've been doing all along what God wanted them to do. And this is the testimony of their lives. This is what they are about. This is what we are about as Grace Baptist Church. First and foremost, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is life in him and through him and through him alone, that there is no other name in or above or nowhere, any place else in all of creation that you might be saved other than by the name of Jesus Christ. And that you've given your life, and in giving your life, you are a servant of the Lord. That's what it means to be a part of this family. We are servants of the Lord, doing what he's called us to do, and thanking God for it all along the way. Take a look at your life. Look around you today. Are you separated? Can people tell the difference in your life from those in the world? Are they seeing you as a servant of the Savior? And are you the source of surprise for someone that they see and know in you the message of God's love? That's the message of thanksgiving. What God has done for us through his one and only son that we have that life eternal in him. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of your one and only Son who has given us a clear understanding of what it means to be his disciples. Forgive us, Father, for the times we fail, but Father, you help us to struggle through those difficulties and trials and you help us to keep doing what you've called us to do, no matter what the circumstances, times that are good, times that are bad, that, Father, in all things we give thanks to you for what you've done for us and the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ. If there's one this morning that has never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, someone here who doesn't know what it means to know that Jesus is Lord of their lives, it's so simple. Your word tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's the hard part, Father, because we all want to rule our own lives. We all want to be our own masters, but you call us to recognize what it means to let you be the master. If we claim Jesus Christ as Lord and believe, Father, that you raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, Father. If there's someone here that's never made that claim, help them just to pray. Father, forgive me for my sins. I know I can't fix them on my own. I know I can't make it to you any other way other than through Jesus Christ. And I give my life to him, and in giving my life to him, I give my life to you completely. And I am yours with all my heart, soul, and mind right now. Father, we thank you for the simplicity of the gospel, for that's all it takes. Help us to trust you, and in trusting you, Father, help us to serve you. It may be there are people here today that are looking for the church that you would have them be a part of to serve this community. 
Well, I thank you for Grace Baptist Church and for the many, many areas of ministry that it offers. And I thank you for those that are willing to step up and step out and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Bless us, encourage us, Father, to take those gifts that you've given them and use them for your glory, not in the name of Grace Baptist Church, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And then, Father, you just surprise us with what you're going to do next. We thank you, Father, for the way that we've seen changes. I thank you for a Sunday school class that's gone through great difficulty, and yet now it has new people who are a part of it. I thank you for baptisms that continue to happen. I thank you for rededications that continue to happen. I thank you, Father, for lives that continue to be moved. Uh, sure, not by a preacher, but by your spirit and through the truth of your word. Help us, Father, to give our lives to you completely in thanksgiving as we praise your name for the glories you share. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.